Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea, or maybe a frothy ale. The light, why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Fear not, for the day of your master's rising upon the world is near at hand. The day of return draws nigh. Does it not tell you so that I am here to be seen by you favored few among your brothers and sisters? Soon the wheel of time will be broken. Soon the great serpent will die, and with the power of that death, the death of time itself, your master will remake the world in his own image for this age and for all ages to come, and those who serve me faithful and steadfast will sit at my feet above the stars in the sky and rule the world of men forever. So have I promised, and so shall it be without end. You shall live and rule forever. Balzaman, Prologue to the Great Hunt. Hello. Hi. And welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for welcoming back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Taravalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Um, I think those are some of my favorite words every week. <laughs> you look forward to hearing I it. I do. So, did we just jump into the Great Hunt? We're doing the Great Hunt! <laughs> We're doing the Great Hunt, and I am so, 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 so excited. All right, I have to say, I am even more looking forward to reading the Great Hunt than the Eye of the World, because I happen to know this is one of your favorite books in the series, and I want to get inside your magnificent mind to find out in my head. why. <laughs> yes, I do. Amber, <laughs> let me inside your brain. I mean, more than I already am. <laughs> I guess would be a fair thing to say. But yeah. You know how I feel about The Eye of the World. I don't think it's Jordan's strongest book. Mm-mm. I even like some of the like quote unquote slog books yeah, yeah, better. Yeah. I don't know. Like there's nothing. It's not bad. It's just it doesn't call to me. I understand. I do. I kind of also feel as though The Great Hunt is our reward for making it through Eye of the World. So you're taking it even farther than Yeah, me. yeah. It's like, oh, good job. You made it through this. Now the good stuff starts, you know? like It's very much like an introduction, a first layer of a world-building series. It's almost like... The great hunt starts and the gloves are off and here we go. And it's yeah. it's just, I have no words. I have no words. Chef's kiss. Exactly. Um, but I was wondering, because I think that this is a fun question to ask, is for anyone like just getting started with this book or for somebody who's considering reading it and they're like, meh, I have the world wasn't so great. What would you like tell them as a reason to keep going? I feel like Eye of the World does a really good job of explaining, and that might be a little bit its fault, where (laughs) there's a little bit Mm -hmm. of an Mm over-explanation. It's needed because you're dropped in this world and you want to understand what's going on, but all of that information comes at a cost of the plot line. So when you get to The Great Hunt, you're kind of just thrown into this prologue, Mm now you hit the ground running Mm -hmm. you're getting a lot of crazy stuff Mm -hmm. and I think it's probably one of the best prologues Mm -hmm. just because you're sitting here like who what where 
and there's so many questions. Mm-hmm. I feel like the great hunt kind of like sits you down and smacks you in the face, <laughs> you know? And the prologue is where it starts. Yeah. Like once you start getting up to book four, book five, then it's just like a avalanche. That's exactly what where I was thinking. So much is happening, mm-hmm. and I feel like the great hunt is like that first step into this world. Yay! I agree with you. Beautifully said. Now, everyone Thank who you. hasn't read The Great Hunt, <laughs> go get your copy. Get going. Yeah. Or if you were feeling like maybe the eye of the world didn't really pull you mm-hmm. in, I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Like some people adore Absolutely. Eye of the World, and I get mm-hmm. it. I, it's great, but it's just not so much my style, mm-hmm. I guess. It's stylistically different than the rest of the book. I agree. Yeah. And I think the rest of the series is grittier, but also like more expansive. And that's mm-hmm. that's what I like about The Great High. I feel like we're getting layer yeah. upon layer upon layer added. And so many of them get touched on in just like the first 20 some odd pages of the book. The beginning of Eye of the World, minus some of the like the Dark Rider stuff, mm-hmm. it's full of whimsy mm-hmm. and these kind of lovable kooky young kids mm-hmm. and there's Matt and he's doing funny stuff and stealing daggers of- <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of fit firmly into this one type personality yeah. from afar that's what it looks like yeah. there's the slow thinking but lovable big guy mm-hmm. there's the jokester the prankster mm-hmm. and then there's Rand who's just like I just want to be at home right like, he didn't want this grand adventure <laughs> I so just, I just want to be farming to back and yeah Tending sheep with my dad. Mm-hmm. And then the great hunt kind of, it changes things. It does. There's a lot going on. So. Yeah. So yeah. all that said. All that said. Should we dig into it? Did you like my hand <laughs> yeah, gesture that sure. went with that? I don't really know what that was, but. <laughs> a little shimmy. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Starting with the Craython cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I am actually really excited that we're digging into this because I have a tendency when I'm reading skip this, it yeah just totally skip it like I don't want yeah I'm like I don't care I don't care I just want to know what's going on and so I'm like flip to the prologue super fast and go past this since we're doing a wheel of time podcast I thought I should possibly be thorough and actually read the excerpt that's at the front of the book and I'm mad at myself I'm <laughs> Like, hey, this is coming from someone who I was in 13 years of Catholic school. Like, I've had enough of this. Right. Okay. This is why I skip it. Same. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But we're not going to skip it. We're no. going to talk about it. We're going to say what we like or maybe what we don't like is probably a better right? <laughs> answer. Yeah. So the beginning of the excerpt starts. And it shall come to pass that what men made shall be shattered, and the shadow shall lie across the pattern of the age, and the dark one shall once more lay his hand upon the world of men. Women shall weep, and men quail, as the nations of the earth are rent like rotting cloth. Neither shall anything stand nor abide. Yet one shall be born to face the shadow, born once more as was born before, and shall be born again, time without end. The dragon shall be reborn, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth at his rebirth. In sackcloth and ashes shall he clothe the people, and he shall break the world again by his coming, tearing apart all ties that bind. Like the unfettered dawn shall he blind us and burn us, yet shall the dragon reborn 
confront the shadow at the last battle, and his blood shall give us the light. Let tears flow, O ye people of the world. Weep for your weep salvation. For your salvation. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to weep for my salvation. This sounds awful. Regardless of which side mm-hmm. wins, this all sounds like terrible. It's very Book of Revelations. Totally. Very doom and gloom. 100%. It's very biblical. It's very, it feels very religious mm-hmm. in an apocalyptic way. Very much the so. End, yeah, the end of time has come, and then we're getting this prophecy. Mm-hmm. I don't know who is responsible for this particular section of the prophecy. I have it. So this is translated by Elaine Maurice. Idin Alshin, chief librarian at the court of Arafel in the year of grace 231 of the new era, the third age. Okay. So just an, a random Arafel yeah, so like person my, transcribed it. My little note says, as, tra- as translated by dot, 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 only one translation? Question mm-hmm. mark? I mean, that's actually something that I think is important to be aware of regardless of what you're reading. And I think this is really kind of a fun thing because how things are translated can change how people feel about something in a very crucial way. And so if this particular individual had like a certain understanding of the language that they were translating from or not, the right kind of understanding, then the translation can be entirely wrong. And so I like that Jordan includes things like translations in mm-hmm. the book because then it gives us room to question the actual original intention of what this might be. There are places for questions that like dip into what we we see in the world that we live in. And I actually because I don't I don't really know a whole lot about Robert Jordan as an individual and mm-hmm. in a lot of ways if you're going to get this into a series it's really good to know more about like the author who yeah. created it. That also sounds religious. <laughs> Robert Jordan created an entire world and that's just legit truth. But the thing that I found out about him is that he was a high church Episcopalian and I was like I have I know nothing about that neither do I nothing and so apparently the term high church refers to beliefs and practices of Christian ecclesiology liturgy and theology that emphasize formality and resistance to modernization that's a hard liner it is (laughs) yeah right and yeah like just reading that and there's more information about it like go check it out on wikipedia if you want to that was my entire source of information for this by the way and i am not ashamed of it even if he's not devout these are things that he's heard growing up yeah just like i said being in a catholic school how many semesters of bible classes that i had i i don't i don't want to think about it because I would have liked other things put in my brain. I mean, it's good like to have a general knowledge, but yeah, I think all religions have interesting mm-hmm. points to them. Absolutely. But I'm not necessarily a religious person. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I, I'm just, I'm coming from my yes. point of view mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I know what I've encountered and influenced in my life. Yeah. And this, yeah, it's something that sticks with you. And these yep. verses from the Craython cycle 
definitely have that feel. Yeah, it's almost, I know this sounds a bit dramatic, but it's almost triggering um, in some ways. <laughs> like, I have very mixed feelings about my time spent being an active participant in the church life that my family raised me in, because that was like our entire community was our, our church and our church family outside of our family. And so it's, I don't know, it stays with you. It's, it influences so much of what you do and how you approach your life. Like you said, whether you stay with it or not. There's something about like Catholic guilt. Oh my God. I think it's, things are drilled. Like you don't do this. You don't do that. You don't, you don't want to be a hurtful person. Yeah. So sometimes it can even make me personally, like it's hard to stand up for myself mm. because I don't want to be rude right. or something yeah. where it's like yeah. something that's beaten into your head as a child, like do this, do that. Yep. And as an adult, you're like, actually, I kind of have this freedom it, to yep. decide, yep. but there's still that person on your shoulder, like, don't do that. <laughs> I know what you mean. It I, shapes you. Yes, it very much does. And it's, it's really shaped this first opening of the great hunt there is so much about this that really touches into jordan's personal background but also our personal backgrounds in a way to relate to it and i i of course just love that i think it's so fun so i think the most <laughs> bothersome thing about the prophecies from the Crathon cycle is there's doom and gloom in both directions and no promise that one thing is going to work out over another if the Dark One takes power, things will suck for everyone. If the Dragon Reborn takes power, it will suck for everyone. So mm -hmm. where's the where's the incentive in this? Where's the hope yeah. in this? <laughs> like, hooray sackcloth and ashes? I just... And I mean, that's another thing that I don't know a lot about other religious books. And so I can't really speak to that. But I can speak for, like, the the Bible reading that I did when I was younger and there are, you know, you shall be rewarded. These, you will suffer, mm -hmm. but it's going to be okay. And that doesn't get said until our shadow pal gathering in the prologue. And it comes from the guy that we're supposed to think is like the major bad guy. He's the mm -hmm. one who's like, you shall live forever. You shall have all the rewards. So, so is this possibly Robert jo Jordan kind of like subverting the trope? And making the bad guys kind of be like, hey, see all this sparkly yep. stuff? Like, this could be yours. Yeah. And I mean, in so many ways, that's what... Everlasting life. <laughs> that's appealing. That's yeah. appealing. You know, especially when you add in things like castles of gold or whatever the heck it is mm -hmm. that you get offered when you move on to eternal life. So I think that passing the Creathon cycle... Like you, it was just an instant reaction. It was too relatable to my past. And I just skipped over it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who's this dude named Bors? So <laughs> so should we get into this dude named Bors? We absolutely <laughs> should. We should. I'm excited. Did you like that? Was that a good transition yeah. for you? My very first line is, so we've got a guy named Bors. He's observing his surroundings. He's been invited into this big room that appears to look like a bad imitation of a palace. Like there's some things that like checks the boxes, right. but other things where it just doesn't work. I love that observation. And, yeah. And he's with about a hundred other, can I say shadow pals? Because I like that. I think we have friends. to. I think we have to. And this is something that I found out. I, I've never liked the word dark friends anyways. I think it's dumb. Mm -hmm. um, 
You want to tell us how you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's stupid. (laughs) It's the leaf cast guys Mm. is where I heard it first. So So they are not taking credit for it. Okay. I think it's brilliant. Whoever started it. (laughs) Love it. It's this gathering of shadow pals and it's kind of like the worst costume party ever. Everyone's got these black outfits on and black masks Mm -hmm. and Boars is wearing, I think, a silk black mask and it feels kind of like a weird kinky thing going on. Mm -hmm. And everyone seems to be kind of sizing each other up through their disguises. Mm -hmm. So the room is pretty lavish and there are some strange questions floating around in my head like the fireplace doesn't produce heat. Okay, that's weird. Mm -hmm. So my initial thought was, where the heck are they Mm -hmm. that this is happening? Is this in a dream? What's Mm. going on? Oh, that's a really good question. I had never really thought about that. I mean, we get we get an answer later, I think. Mm -hmm. But Boris is feeling pretty smug that he's been invited to this (laughs) great gathering (laughs) with only 100 other people. And everyone's kind of, like I said, sizing each other up. And I think everyone else thinks that, oh, I'm I'm so important because I'm here. The Dark One is going to like me more than this other Mm -hmm. shadow pal who sucks. And this is a common theme between Dark Friends, Shadow Pals, Mm -hmm. The Forsaken. This is something where they're kind of always like tripping over each other to be like, I'm going to be the one. Yes. So well said. So well said. One of the things that I think is interesting is this is like a networking opportunity gone wrong. <laughs> like or they like didn't the have reverse. their business cards. Like. Yeah, like you go, you go because you're the best of the best, but you don't talk to anybody about mm-hmm. how you become that, which is just totally the opposite of a networking kind of group. But it's what it makes me think of if it were like shadow pal base i'm kind of confused about the fact why are they disguised like yeah. why can't the other shadow pals know who, know who the other, other shadow are. Pals are and i think that is also strange mm-hmm. but it's, we can talk about it in the spoiler section yes because yeah yeah because there's definitely a resistance to allyship in the shadow pal connection group whatever you want to call it so we get this description of mm. the serving men and women mm-hmm. who are kind of coming along carrying trays and serving drinks, and they are described as hauntingly beautiful and graceful and having these androgynous characteristics, mm-hmm. and they all look like the same person mm-hmm. despite being male and female, but they have these Ted vapid eyes and... When I was reading this, I know because we did a Shadow Swan episode that as I'm reading it, I'm like, yes, it's the Zomara. <laughs> so these are a type of Shadow Swan. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do like a little mini 101 because I think these ones are just so creepy because of how perverse it would have been to create them. So cringy. So they were created during the Age of Legends and can seemingly like read people's thoughts Mm -hmm. and they're not very intelligent and they forget pretty much all the information they're given pretty much like immediately afterwards so you've got this little bit of time span and then everything's gone yeah and they are most likely one of the products of agonor's more perverse human experiments i know that even some of the forsaken don't like having them around because they're so unsettling Mm -hmm. And when I'm trying to think of, like, what Agenor would have done to create these human, humanoid-like creatures Mm -hmm. that came from humans that don't 
retain any memories mm-hmm. just to be used as like the perfect serving things mm-hmm. because they can never tell your secrets to anyone because they won't remember mm-hmm. and so it's like okay it was effective agonor like good job but still it's so creepy yeah to think that these were humans it's like an everlasting compulsion mm-hmm. kind of they just there there's nothing inside and they don't so, age like don't they don't they stay looking kind of like almost pre pubescent even i think so that's kind of that's kind of how i always see them as just because of the body shape exactly described where they all look similar Mm -hmm. so i i don't think of any of them being like curvy or right yeah yeah so i think that's another (laughs) right that's another like addition to that level of creepiness yes yeah to like stop them at a specific Mm -hmm. age remove their ability from memory give them weird telepathic powers like what Mm -hmm. do you think Aganor had like a checklist when he was making things or did he just like throw it all at a wall and hope for the best Aganor is definitely I I think it was more of like a throw everything at the wall and see what sticks yeah this is disgusting and I can't believe I'm gonna say it but like when people breed dogs for a certain type of like you want a working dog or a hunting dog yeah so you are looking for these characteristics and then like you kind of get what you get and you're like okay well this this one seems to be great yeah we'll stick with this yeah I'm not like a geneticist (laughs) but it's just it's gross and Aganor is deeply disturbing Mm -hmm. and I think that he had fun doing it. So it was like, oh, let, like, let's see what we can whip up next. Yeah. And yeah, Aganor is such a, he has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Of all of the Forsaken, he is by far the darkest, I think. You know? Well, yeah, he's like this, uh, like, Joseph Mengele Nazi doctor. It's just like, <laughs> no. Oh, Please. I should not laugh at that, but accurate. Accurate. Yeah. So Boris is served a drink, but he only pretends to drink it because he's not really trusting Mm -hmm. that someone's out to, you know, possibly poison him. He can't be too sure. And he's studying the room. And again, he's feeling super smug, like I can figure out who each one of these people are just by looking at their shoes Mm -hmm. or maybe their hands. Yeah. And he's seeing many different nationalities. We see an Ilianer woman, a swan-necked royal Roman woman from Eridoman, a Shinaran warrior, even a tinker. And he even thinks to himself when he sees that this is a tinker by the color of their clothes underneath their black outfit, mm-hmm. he says, we can do without those come a day. It's like, all right, my guy, like, what? am I, what do you have against tinkers? So he also sees a High Lord from Tyr, an Endoran Queensguard, mm-hmm. a Sea Folk Man, and even an Aes Sedai. I believe it's two Aes Sedai. And as he's thinking about it, he calls her a witch during his inner monologue, which, without any spoilers, is something to be very cognizant of mm-hmm. if you would like to try and figure out the identity of this man. Yes. Here is your like blinking neon light. So a bell rings, some doors open, and Trollocs enter, and everyone takes a step back because Trollocs are disgusting. And then the Trollocs take a step back and, like, cringe and (laughs) bow and scrape because a Merdral has now entered. And the Merdral is described as a smooth, white, eyeless face, like a maggot, its voice like dry snakeskin crumbling. And the Merdral says, your master comes. 
So then a man appears floating in the air and Boris thinks, is it the dark one? Is it possibly a forsaken? And he is told to rise. And then we learn that it is actually Baalzaman. And he is speaking to Boris telepathically. There is also a section in here where Boris is told where he stands now lies in the shadow of Shale Ghoul. And right before we had started recording, I was trying to think of possible places in Shale Ghoul where this could be. And my guess is somewhere in Thakandar because that is the valley of Shale Ghoul, which would be in the shadow of the mountain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he says that's the shadow of Shale Ghoul is where he stands. And there's also on the Wheel of Time wiki a section that says... There is no life in Thakandar, and it is so cold as the ice to the north. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why there's no heat to the room. Even Mm -hmm. though there's a fire, it's still cold. Mm -hmm. So Mm. it could be something like that. It could be actually like a place in the world, or it could be in a dream. I tend to think this is a real place, though. Me too. Yeah, it just, with the things that happen as the, this part goes on, I feel as mm-hmm. though it's it's real. It's not part of a dream world. Yeah. Yeah. So this floating figure tells them they shall know him as Balsamon. And the reaction that this gets is so good because, like, everyone is kind of like, oh! and they're all, like, for the most part, trying to keep their cool. So the fact that this group of Shadow Pals has this reaction to this name, apparently in the Trolloc tongue, it meant Heart of the Dark, and even unbelievers knew it was the Trolloc name for the Great Lord of the Dark. And he also comments that it is not the most forbidden name for the Dark Mm -hmm. One, but it is still a forbidden name. Which, again, I don't understand... The whole forbidden name thing. Maybe I need to look that up. Like, why is that a thing? Why are there names that you are not allowed to say? I'm just going to guess here because it's almost like a mantra of people mm-hmm. where they say the Dark One is buried away in Shale Ghoul mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And he can't he can't get us. We're protected. Yeah. And it's kind of like something that you grow up saying and hearing. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you actually say, what is it, Shaitan? Mm -hmm. It's not Shaitan, the other one. No, I think that's the right one. Mm -hmm. That you're like scolded, like never say it. So is it something that's just internal? Mm -hmm. Like don't say it because it's a faux pas? Mm -hmm. Or is it actually like you're not allowed to do it because the dark one will grab you through your dream and smack you around? Yeah, like (laughs) Like, is there there an actual repercussion for that happening? Yeah. (laughs) And that's that's what I wonder. Like what, why is this a forbidden? Lots of nightmares, maybe. <laughs> Headaches, <laughs> nausea. The it comes Heartburn. with a list of side effects, like a <laughs> like your prescriptions do. <laughs> Shaitan. <laughs> yeah. Side effects may include. So anyway, we have this announcement that we are now dealing with Balzman. And this is actually really great because this is the quote that came in. That sounds like a self-help book. What? Book. Dealing with Balzman. <laughs> It's on the New York Times bestsellers yeah. list, yeah. So this actually is from the quote that our good buddy Snakes and Foxes did for us at the beginning, where... It was so good. It was so Thank good. You. Beautifully recorded. Everything about it was absolutely perfect, and now I don't have to read it, because you already did it for me. Thank you. So what what really catches me is 
the end of this, and we kind of touched on this earlier, like the whole, and those who serve me will be rewarded. They will have Mm -hmm. riches. And of course, we were both like, amen, at the end of it. And so it's one of the things that really hits me about this. In his name we praise. (laughs) (laughs) For this one, there seems to be a liturgy almost associated Mm. with being a dark friend, of being bound to the dark one that doesn't seem to also happen in I suppose what would be classified as the followers of the light like everyone seems to have their favorite catchphrases but there doesn't really seem to be any places of worship or gathering Mm -hmm. and even though these shadow pals are not going to be looking out for each other anytime soon it is still a gathering that gets referred to as brothers and sisters and I think that that is also interesting like what is your idea of family if you're referring to them as brothers and sisters. could say the same thing about the White Tower, though. That's true. That is true. That is true. Yeah. So, like, there are just some places where and I the feel... the White Cloak says, son? What does the White Cloak say? What do the White Cloak say? Child. It's always child born hauled. Child so-and-so. Yeah. Which is interesting. Doesn't that kind of infantilize <laughs> your soldiers and make them feel... <laughs> Who's a good boy? <laughs> You're a good white cloak. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> that was necessary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I find, I find that particularly intriguing. And I think you had said it already that like there's the figure of the three young men that is like just kind of holographically hanging in yeah. in the room. Mm-hmm. And Bors is trying to kind of figure out who these three young men are. And he's noticing that the Madral that's entered is staring at them and trembling with hate as opposed to fear, which was what he had been trembling with before. Balsamon drops the announcement of the night. The dragon walks the world again. Like, how mm-hmm. dramatic is that? And I love that he's like someone who isn't yet but will become the dragon because like saying the dragon has been reborn makes me think baby but to say there is someone who walks the world who is the dragon who is going to become the dragon like i see this as a fully grown human you know like an Mm -hmm. adult figure so i like that this is the phrasing that gets chosen for this particular moment i mean are we safe now to talk about this since we're in the great hunt like there's no question who the dragon reborn is i I think i think it's (laughs) pretty can we just get that yeah yeah (laughs) okay can we just get that out of the way for anyone who doesn't know rand is rand is the dragon reborn say it now so yeah so rand is the dragon reborn although balsamon does not indicate that that is the case. He just says it. And of course, this is a reaction-causing statement. And the Shinaran warrior that Bors noticed earlier is like, shall we kill him? And like he's yeah. reaching for his sword that he would normally mm-hmm. have there, but it's, of course, not there. And I, those instant reactions, those little touches that Jordan adds to a character, even a character that doesn't have a name or anything that we are aware of, and you still feel the identity of this character in some way what their Mm -hmm. like little bits of their intention and personality might be so good job jordan love that part balsamon somehow manages to cut off all sound in the room and boar sees that one person is being lifted and held in place and appears to be responding to someone who's talking to them. And mm-hmm. Boris realizes that they will all be given instructions, but they will be given to each person individually. So no one will know 
who is getting what instructions and what right. they're supposed to be doing. And when it becomes Boris's turn, <laughs> Balzman's like first question is whether or not Boris is faithful. And I think this is really interesting because Boris responds that he is, and then he says it again to himself. And there's an emphasis on it. I am faithful. I swear it. So it's almost like he's reaffirming it to himself. And one of the things that I think this indicates, and I find it telling of the character itself, is he's not necessarily in this because he's all for mm-hmm. Balsman being in the number one position. He's out there for himself. And so this says a lot about who this character is, even though they are, like, super mysterious at this point, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I, I yeah. think that that part is just a little, a little fun thing to, to touch on. Maybe he's a little extra shifty of a dark friend, or perhaps this is the norm. I really, I really don't know. I really don't know. So uh, Balsman gives Boris some cryptic orders and takes him on a non-consensual trip through a flash of images and sensation that feels a bit dizzying. And I'm sure that's how it's supposed to feel. But in the orders, one thing stands out to me, and it's Balsman telling Boris, regarding those who have landed on Tom and Head and the Domon, is it Domani? Domani? Of this, you will speak mm-hmm. to no one. This feels a bit more mysterious than the other orders that he's been giving. Because those seem kind of like standard orders. Look out for these three guys. Keep doing what you're mm-hmm. doing. But this particular thing, don't tell anyone about it. So what is this particular thing that he's not supposed to be telling anyone about? So again, layer of mystery. So many layers of mystery. And then at the end of this, Boris is led away by a doll zombie to the room where he had prepared for this gathering of brothers and sisters, quote unquote. His bags have not been touched and he pulls out dun dun dun, dun a white cloak <laughs> uniform, his uniform. <laughs> and even better, he's got the symbol of a questioner on it. So are we surprised that this mm-hmm. like power hungry all for himself kind of do is a questioner, is a member of the children of the light i love that it gets left for like the last moment and that he tells you like you don't know who the character is but you now have an idea of where they are and where they're headed this gets me so ready like we have left behind happy cozy hanging out in emmons field and this is real world hard shit wheel of time goodness i love it yeah I love it so much. I didn't have anything else to add for the spoiler-free section. I don't either. But before we get to spoilers, I did want to say special thanks to Dirk, Mm -hmm. our new innkeeper Mm -hmm. of the Three Candles Inn. Welcome. Thank you. And I love your your name for your inn. I think it sounds cozy. It does. That's what I thought, too. I was like, oh, I like that. If there's any particular reason why you chose that name, I would love to know. Yeah. If you tell us, maybe... Well, if it's not private, right? Yeah, I don't know why it would be, but we, if it's not, yeah. we'll we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I love I love a good story. Obviously, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, and thanks to all of our other patrons as well. We really, really, really appreciate you guys. So, should we get into spoilers? I think we should. Okay. I'm, this part for spoilers is so good. It's fun. It yeah. is really fun because there's, again, just that layer upon layer of mystery. Who is who? What is happening? What's going to happen? What is... What is it? Mm-hmm. Ah, dramatic. That's all I've got. So with the Creathon cycle, 
reading this, I started thinking about A Memory of Light and The Last Battle and really just kind of questioning, is this event apocalyptic? Because in a lot of ways, The Last Battle feels somewhat isolated. Like, a huge portion of the world almost feels like they are unaware of the fact that this is happening. Do you know what I mean? You think? I I do. And the reason why I think that has something to do with when Rand comes down off Dragon Mount and he's walking through Mm -hmm. that orchard and that farmer's out there with his son. It's you. Yeah. He's like, oh, hey, it's, it's you. Like you just said. But they are aware of their own problems. You know, not enough mm-hmm. food. Their orchard isn't producing fruit for them that they need to get through the the winter and blah, blah, blah. So I feel as though in some ways, if you are living in a remote place or on a farm or even just like a small town, the last battle is maybe happening and you're aware that it could be bad, but you might not be aware dis- of everything. I Ooh. distinctly remember certain areas that were further away and it was characters watching their neighbors packing things up and getting out okay and they're like what's going on where are you going and they're like it's time you know like everyone's leaving oh it's yeah time. that does happen and i think everyone knows but i think that denial is such a drug where you you want to cling on to what's good and you don't want to see your children scared or starving yeah and you don't want to face these problems on top of the fact in some regions you're not even allowed to talk about this stuff the prophecies of the dragon is like it's a big no-no yeah you're not supposed to bring it up and i think it's similar to what we said about saying the dark one's name like he's supposed to see you if he does it so even talking about it is like we don't do that Mm -hmm, here mm -hmm. don't say it don't think about it And we're going to pretend like it doesn't exist. But when all the food is rotting and Trollocs are being spotted places that they've never been seen before. And there's wars going on. And just an example is when Sidene is cleansed. Mm. Like everyone feels it who can channel. So even if you are just some random channeler mm-hmm. Aes Sedai that really has no clue what's going on, you can tell that something's happening mm-hmm. despite Elida trying to keep things under wrap yeah. and exert like her control. There are so many weird things going on and bubbles of evil. Mm-hmm. People have to know. Mm-hmm. And word travels, I feel like, mostly by mouth mm-hmm. in this world mm-hmm. like we don't have a newspaper right you know right there's no there's no fast form mm-hmm. of communication yeah like the peddler have, shows up and that's they have when pigeons. you learn like yeah yeah pigeons and peddlers that's uh pigeons and peddlers that's the <laughs> postal service pigeons and peddlers postal service of the wheel of time yes. that's what it is Ooh, I yes. like this. t-shirt okay just kidding yeah but that would be kind of fun but if your neighbor says hey like i heard from old man joe <laughs> down the street who just came back from trading his apples and andor that there was a war over here and Trollocs attacking over there like people hear this and then 
they say they write it off most of the time like no like this is just gossip yeah just rumors yeah don't listen to that but at some point you have to be like well yeah yeah i think awareness yes but when i think like apocalyptic i think i don't know i guess i think darker maybe even than what we get like the last really yeah (laughs) have i mentioned have i I mentioned my tendency to be a bit macabre (laughs) yeah but i think of like places like hinder's tap people Mm. being reborn that's true respawned it it is it does feel a bit like a video game doesn't it like everyone's just wake up in their beds yeah and then at night it's utter chaos like how many there's people getting trapped in the ground Mm -hmm. at one point some weird crystal thing comes up and slices through a bunch of Mm -hmm. people is there's a lot of weird stuff going on and i feel like they've got to know yeah time is now and (laughs) this is it maybe i'm delusional maybe i think like oh if i saw something like this or i heard something like this Mm -hmm. i would be like nope nope (laughs) like uh we got to get the heck out of here like we're gonna pack our stuff we are going to you know we're getting out we're going somewhere safe yep like that's actually why i ask is like so often i mean especially I would say, I don't even want to say recently. This is just a thing that always happens. There are really terrible things constantly happening to people around the world. And even Mm -hmm. within our own households that we may not be aware of, just things like that. But when you're like safe and cozy in your house and you have all the things that you need, it's really easy to kind of forget or almost dismiss like the suffering and things this that other people true. are experiencing. This is true. And for us, I mean, we have the internet. If mm-hmm. there's an earthquake in India, like we see about it right when we wake up. Yeah. And we can, you know, we see the photos. Yep. We see if there's war, we see the pictures of the little kids mm-hmm. who are caught and trapped. And do you remember when these kids in, was it Thailand, I think, that were trapped in this cave? Oh, that got, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was in the news and everybody knew about it and everybody was like glued to their TVs. So like you're on to something here because in this world, they don't have this instant knowledge yeah. of bad things going on. So it's easy to dismiss a random peddler yeah. maybe. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, so often we need proof and even sometimes when we get that proof, we still... We'll look past mm-hmm. it to, to see what we want to see. And right. that's being human. And I think, too, I feel like there's so much proof that we're given as the reader. Like, we see this stuff, mm-hmm. but maybe Apple Cart guy didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Perhaps not. I just... But it's it's like the whole island of Tremalking. Don't they just kill themselves? Yes, they do. Like... Yes, they do. I mean, an entire island nation, island of people Mm -hmm. kill themselves, their children, their wives, each other. Yeah. So I kind of feel like if I heard something like this, I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss it. But then again, I think I'm leaning more towards your side now, where at first I was pretty sure. But it just it, it. When I sent you that text message last night about, like, what's missing in the Wheel of Time, that was actually Mm -hmm. one of the things that I was thinking about is, like, without a fast form of communication like what we have now, it's really difficult to connect people across 
far distances. I mean, that was a concern mm-hmm. of creating the United States of America was that it would be too large. It would be too unwieldy to actually govern mm-hmm. from one central place. And so it's just especially when the last battle happens, it all seems to happen in one location. So like everything that was mm-hmm. well, OK, so. <laughs> no, Tracy. Take I feel like that it was back. all over the place. Yeah, because there were. I'm. I'm rethinking. Shale Ghoul and or. I mean, yep. the the Borderlands. So it kind of was like it was like battled about. everywhere. Yeah. Huh. Okay. This this could be another entire topic because I think it's. I just think it's that, really interesting. But in a way that also kind of isolates it a little bit. Like if there's not one big centralized place. Yeah. Maybe you would see it as like, oh, well, there's like a skirmish here. Yeah. Or like we heard there was fighting over there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because like if you aren't actually there. Oh, I love this. So I guess, you know, actually this kind of does in some ways answer this question too. Because the next question I had on this was, did Rand really break the world with his coming? And I was at first like, no. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, me. He doesn't even have a say in it. Yeah. As soon as he has that realization that he can channel and takes out, you know, some of the Forsaken, then the Dark One knows, then all of these Shadow Pals know because of this meeting. Mm-hmm. So he's immediately a target. Even though they don't actually say his name, mm-hmm. he's shown with three others, which is a little kooky, mm-hmm. but okay. Yeah. Maybe the Dark One doesn't know, but that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, same. Yeah. Yeah. So he's here now, which means the other team has already like picked up their pitchforks mm-hmm. and they're ready to <laughs> go. So I mean, him being who he is eventually is like what sets everything off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it even starts before his birth, like before his birth could happen he broke the ruling system of Andor, you this know, is true. and which caused all kinds of chaos for, for Andor. Yeah. And in order for his birth to happen where it needed to happen, there had to be the cutting down of Avan. The Avan Exactly. Tree. And so there's nations literally burning yeah. because... Rand's birth has to happen in a specific location, in a specific mm-hmm. way, through a specific line of ancestors, which is fascinating. Because Bors even says when he's... This is so weird to think of. It's like, almost not that it had to happen this way. It's just like, have you ever seen the movie Pure... Is it Pure Luck? With... I don't think so. Is it Martin Short? Okay, so it's this guy, and he's so unlucky that a woman goes missing who is also very unlucky and her family is rich so she just ends up like dropping off the face of the earth and her wealthy family can't find her anymore so they hire this guy who is in fact the most unlucky person that anyone has ever met to like try and retrace her steps to like see maybe where she could have ended up Mm -hmm. maybe the same hardships would fall on him and they would somehow end up to where their unlucky daughter ended up and I kind of almost feel like that's how it was with all of these prophecies it was just like this Rube Goldberg 
machine of the pattern <laughs> where like one thing falls and then the next thing falls and then the next thing happens. And like, I know Robert Jordan has said, think of it as like a supercomputer, like always calculating mm-hmm. where for me, I'm kind of like, I almost feel like it was just the stupid, dumb luck, which is essentially like what Taviran are mm-hmm. in a way. So it's just kind of this like whole weird situation where it's like is it planned was it forced yep was it luck Mm -hmm. all of these questions kind of have no real answer Mm -hmm. and that's why for me it's hard to even talk about it because it's like where do you come out we could just yeah we can just go around and around in a circle Mm -hmm. and there are some people who are adamant like it is this because of this Mm -hmm. and for me I'm just like I'm kind of just open to all of it same same. I always think that that makes for the best conversations. Like, yeah. if you don't close yourself down to what other people are talking about, you might change your mind. You might find something cool out. And so I love I love the possibility of being wrong, I guess. <laughs> I don't like it, but I'm open to it. <laughs> I don't like it either. I don't I don't necessarily like it. I've gotten much more graceful about it as I've ascended in age and and wisdom thank goodness yeah the other thing i wanted to say boars notices that one of the three hologram boys has light blue Mm -hmm. eyes and says it could be the royal line of andor it's so small it's so small Mm -hmm. and i think this might even be well maybe it's the first time i've noticed i don't know we've got a regular sherlock holmes on our hands tracy (laughs) I really, I just, these are the little things that I like digging for when we were like reading mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's my, it's my favorite part. I like people. I like personalities. I think mm-hmm. that Robert Jordan is some kind of genius for pulling all of this together. So for me, it's incredibly rewarding. So since we're talking about Boars being a master, master sleuth, detective, yeah. a regular old hardy boy, let's play the game called Who's That Dark Friend? <laughs> Who's that dark friend? That's what that makes me think of when I read it. One of the, I think, easiest ones is the Shinaran soldier. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure this was confirmed by Robert Jordan on a blog post mm-hmm. somewhere that it's Inktar. Yeah. And the High Lord of Tyr is, I'm guessing, maybe Lord Weirman? That's what I read. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the two Aes Sedai is a little bit more tricky because there are so many. There are a bajillion <laughs> like, Black Aja. Is that yes. why it might be hard to figure yeah. out which two mm-hmm. they could be? And I mean, that doesn't yeah. mean that there isn't an Aes Sedai there who is That we don't even know yeah, about. Yeah, who isn't yeah. wearing her ring, so... I almost feel like the Aes Sedai were there more as a foreshadowing for us to figure mm. out who Bors is. That way we get an excuse for him to be like, oh, it's a witch, it's a Tarvalin witch, mm-hmm. and we know yeah. people that talk that way, they're white cloaks. Do we have any mention of the Black Aja and Eye of the World? I think it's mentioned, but it's a question of like saying how some people believe that this does or doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I don't remember. It feels like something maybe Tom might have said. Hmm. feels like Tom Wisdom for some reason. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know who these Aes Sedai... It could be Leandrin, it could be Shiriam, it could be Varen, it could be Galena, it could be Alviaran. Like, it's just... There's so many. There's so many it could be. And I I think 
I hadn't thought about Varen being there. I don't know why mm-hmm. she wasn't like one of the first ones that I thought of because, of course, she's my favorite. She's my favorite shadow pal. Um, <laughs> she kind of has to be. I, just, like, I mean, she's kind of the most helpful one. Right? I, I just, she, oh, Varen. Anyway, I think it was Blood and Ashes podcast. You had mm-hmm. you had said that I should like give them a listen, and I was like, okay. And they they had mentioned the possibility of it being Varen. And all I can think is, like, Varen's black cloak has, like, a pocket for a notebook. She's over there <laughs> yes. in a corner somewhere, like, taking Writing notes. Writing hastily. Yeah. <laughs> Little drawings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Could you? Dolls, on. Hold your pose, Right, please. exactly. Did you, want, did you want flames in the eyes? I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> Uh, it's just so funny because I I would be the exact same way. I'd be like, I need to take notes. How do I take notes? I don't know, though. I kind of feel like Varen would be smart enough to take her ring off. That's, because, yes. Because she's has a certain shape. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would make you much more recognizable. Mm-hmm. If you're a small person, you can make yourself look bigger. Mm-hmm. But if you are a larger person you can't make yourself look smaller mm-hmm. yeah so i feel like taking off the eye ring would probably be a better way of disguising yourself yeah and it seems very in character with varen because mm-hmm. she's kind of like our double agent like she doesn't want yeah. people to know who she is or what she's doing and with mm-hmm. obviously good reason it's a costume party. They're supposed to disguise themselves. Right. So any identifying no reason, mark. Yeah. You should no reason for her to leave it on. Yeah. Why? Why didn't the sea folk person put gloves on to hide their tattoos? You know. Why did the tinker not change his pants? Right. Like, <laughs> change your pants. <laughs> Dealing with Balsamon. Change your pants. <laughs> When dealing with Balsamon. <laughs> yeah, there obviously was not like a really thorough invitation for this group on how to present themselves. But it's it's I really think it's interesting that you mentioned why do they have to hide themselves? Why do they have to be secretive in this? And yeah. What's the what's the benefit drawback or yeah, the appeal to being in disguise? Yeah. I, I honestly Is it so you don't out the other person when you're in that oh. power grab. He's you know like hey I want his castle I want his whatever yep. you could be you like could blackmail. oh exactly oh, interesting yeah, I, think that, I bet that's it because they are some they're devious yeah they're devious yeah. indeed so mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of the other things I think is really interesting is just like how distrusting they are of each other. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really imagine that you become a dark friend based on, you know, friendship. <laughs> Just a long lasting friendship. <laughs> <laughs> to be found at Shale Ghoul, mm-hmm. the tavern, the resort with madrals and cocktails. Speaking of, okay. Yes. The Tinker. Yes. I just want to bring this up before I forget. Why would a tinker become a dark friend? I mean, I imagine it's for the same reason other people do, but... I know. I have the same reaction. I feel like the moment you become a dark friend, you would no longer consider yourself a tinker because their culture is so... Opposite. Yeah. So, like, why, again, why the pants? 
Like you're not a tinker anymore. You're something else. Right. You clearly don't believe in a pacifist life. Mm-mm. So is that just your, Maybe that's your disguise, their disguise now? Like the tinkers, I feel like don't hold any sway yeah. in this landscape so what maybe you're just more like eyes and ears you report to someone else Mm -hmm. to see like if maybe you've come in contact with other groups and maybe they've seen something and so on and so on like that would make sense considering hmm. like they just need a their own eyes and ears yeah because like a queen and Perrin come back from their adventures with elias and the tinkers and the wolves and the white cloaks and everything and they are past that knowledge of exactly yeah so having having as many people he's the new he, peddlers tinkers and pigeons <laughs> postal service and yeah. spy service and spy service postal and spy this is just this is becoming a very large <laughs> conglomerate of skills and creatures and people mm-hmm. i appreciate it I don't I don't think we ever get confirmed who the tinker is. I think that that's just something that I don't think the tinker is ever confirmed as a as a character. Mm-mm. I don't think the sea folk person is ever identified as a character like there. I think So maybe I, it's just mainly for us to be like okay, even the most gentle of people can still Yeah, and that they're everywhere for the dark one. Yeah, there's there's really no safe space anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like all regions, all nationalities, all yes, classes. Yes. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's a sea folk person there almost hits me the same way as a tinker being there. But again, they have their own prophecies involving the dragon reborn and everything. So it yeah. makes it just it makes sense. It makes you question, and it definitely puts out that you can't trust anyone because there are dark friends everywhere. That's really that's the the second title of Eye of the World. There are dark friends everywhere. <laughs> You mean the Great Hunt? That one too. It could be. Oh, okay. It could be that for a whole bunch of them. It could just happen. In Eye of the World, we just have this kind of like d bag dark friend Pater who gets punched in the face. I love it. Everyone cheers. I did. Um, <laughs> it was so good. Not even gonna be and bashful about it. I feel like in Eye of the World, the the shadow pals that you encounter, it wasn't like what we see now here yeah. in the Great Hunt, where. You're in this room and there's a hundred people gathered and they're described as being, you know, wealthy high lords and queens guards from high class to just a random traveling person. Mm -hmm. So this is where it's like it can be anyone. Yeah, yeah. It's going to stay like lingering in the back of your head. Oh, yeah, totally. And it it totally has for me reading it and even more as we've been rereading it because thinking about this gathering there's a hundred dark friends there Mm -hmm. which is not an insignificant number of people and they're also really only there by special invitation if that makes sense do you think this was just a one-time event or like they all go in (gasps) they're told what they need and then they leave and then another another group group comes comes in? in Because that's why they're like, all right, go get your shit. <laughs> it's like a go. shuffle system. Oh, my yeah. God. So, like, what this if there is were group one, multiple groups? Group two. Yeah. There's a Zamara out there with, like, an Excel mm-hmm. spreadsheet trying to figure out where everyone goes. And this is the one time they remember to lose their mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so I hadn't thought about that. But, I mean, 
maybe because they kind of like rush them along yeah it's like okay you get i mean at the same time though to give everyone their instructions individually may take a bit of time but then you also just have that like here i don't have time to tell you everything i'm just gonna put it right in your brain moment between balls yeah. and four so maybe you- and this it kind of feels like when he's given these like flashes mm-hmm. that it's like a montage almost like yes. it hits him like boom boom yes. boom and then it's over yep. and he's kind of like what the fuck well yeah 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 mm. was it just like one person looking up and then it's over or was it seconds was it minutes yeah it does say i i would i verge on minutes that's that's kind of where mm. i lean but i think it might also depend on who Balsamon is giving the orders to maybe I don't know like maybe if you're a low level pater type guy he's just like hey good to see ya I guess just generally be a dick in your little village I don't know (laughs) (laughs) thanks for coming hope you had fun (laughs) that's that's what I got for ya (laughs) that's what I wonder (laughs) thanks thanks so yeah, I think I think this whole not trusting and not knowing is is fun. Yeah. I think it's fun. So going back to Bors, who is Yakim Keridan, uh, this guy is an inquisitor, or not inquisitor, a questioner. Yeah. And this was one of the questions I had myself when I was reading this, was like, I always assumed that the questioners just kind of found whoever they felt like guilty Mm -hmm. like we just kind of like to torture yeah yeah so now I'm kind of getting a whole new view Mm. and I'm kind of thinking the point isn't for them to just find out whether or not someone is on you know the side of the light Mm -hmm. or the side of the dark I think they're more trying to task themselves with getting as much possible information out of someone before they kill them. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what they are, what their affiliation is. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they are just trying to torture the facts out of, like, everything that's inside someone's head. Mm-hmm. You know, like, tell me absolutely everything yeah. your whole life, mm-hmm. what you did this day, what you had for breakfast, who you came in contact with on March 4th. Like, they want to know it all. Want everything. And then maybe this is one of the reasons why the White Cloaks are able to afford and mm. have their own stature. Maybe they deal in secrets. Maybe that's part of their business. So we've talked about maybe the White Cloaks have taxes and Amadisia, or maybe they're kind of like, taking things from people like hey we're here to help by the way like give us some food but maybe they're also dealing in secrets you know like insider trading Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. stuff like that where like maybe if they can torture information out of people they know like ways to make more money or have more influence you know yes and I think there's evidence for things Mm -hmm. like that one of the things about the White Cloaks that I think supports what you're saying is they just kind of have decided they are the ultimate authority and yes. everyone else's opinion or rights are underneath 
their objective. And so whatever mm-hmm. they decide they want to have as theirs, they will take as theirs and they have every right to do so. Mm-hmm. And so I think like you said, it's it's almost extor- extortion. I don't even know if yeah, there's exactly. an almost yeah. in front of it. That's And the thing about torture I mean, I don't know. I would say, it's great. yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. I mean, it's on my calendar <laughs> for every Sunday. <laughs> Actually, it's every other Sunday. On the other Brunch. Sundays, they go to Sheogul <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for my updates. <laughs> yes. Um, oh shoot, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about torture. Is- <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were talking about torture again. That's right. That's right. Um, you will say anything. To not experience pain. And if it's Mm -hmm. something like, I don't know, there are very few things that I would allow myself to experience an excruciating amount of pain for. To the point where you're just like, yeah, okay. Just just take everything. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I don't, I guess I don't care. I mean. But what if it's more like, what if it's not so much answer all of these questions? It's just like, start talking and tell me about your life. Tell me about your childhood. Mm -hmm. Maybe they are actually really skilled at this. Mm. Like maybe they use more psychological procedures as opposed to like physical. Well, I think they use a lot of physical stuff too, but I think they want more than just a confirmation whether or not you are for the side of the light or the side of the dark. Mm -hmm. Like that's just the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. I mean, how important would it be to know from, say, you're one of the questioners and you're torturing a guy and he says, well, look, there's riots in Andor. People aren't happy with the queen. And then he goes up to his uh, next boss and he's like, hey, by the way, more gays has got problems. Now would be a good time to go insert ourselves Mm. in to the political mm-hmm. chaos going on mm-hmm. and maybe we can recruit more white cloaks this way. Power maybe grab. we can yeah, and it's not so much like maybe material wealth, mm-hmm. but like the whole like knowledge is power mm-hmm. type of wealth. There is there is a good argument for that being more persuasive than mm-hmm. than like funding in some ways if that makes yeah. sense i'm i'm yeah. just saying i agree with you i agree with you okay. yeah no that's a really interesting way of of looking at it because you do kind of have to wonder how a group like the white cloaks mm-hmm. comes about being able to do all of the things that they do i mean those because uniforms wars- are not cheap i'm sure yeah, I mean, weapons, horses, like yep. food for your horses, food, food for, for your army. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not cheap. Nope. And Boris is no dummy. Mm-mm. Like, he is just looking at someone's feet and he's like, oh, clearly she comes from here. Yeah. Yeah. So like, he's by the, by the make of her shoes. Yeah. So. He's, he's well traveled, more than likely. He's been mm-hmm. to several nations. He's been in situations where he's been exposed to nobility to the point where he knows that. What mm-hmm. is it? The Domani wear a bracelet that would identify like their house and everything, and they would yes. never wear anyone else's mm-hmm. house thing. Like he knows these things. These are very mm-hmm. tiny details where someone like, let's say, Rand from the Two Rivers, right. like he would not know to look for those things. So good eye, yeah. good eye. I like it. I think that this chapter, this prologue, has 
really changed the way that I look at the white cloaks because I kind of found them like comically fervorous, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. just kind of like culty, but like dopey at Mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah. This kind of changes things for me. It makes it make more sense why Galad would choose to become a white cloak. Like perhaps isn't they have like their own kind of like religious book, right? They're. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's called. I know we talked about it in the White Cloak episode. Yeah. Um. So there, there are obviously like values in the White Cloaks, and I think sometimes when I look at them, I just it's that it's that over fervent application mm-hmm. of how they believe that makes them mm-hmm. really unappealing and draws away from the fact that at the core there was actually a decent idea and there will be people who will be drawn to this for that ideal. So not everyone is, oh, what's his face who rapes more gays? Emin Balda. Yeah. They're not all that guy. That guy Mm -hmm. just happens to be a white cloak using the channels available to him. Regardless, Boars. Should we get back, back to Boars? Back to Boars. Yes. You, okay. You wrote here that we know mm-hmm. how many loved ones that he loses. Yes. That is... I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I think about the one chapter where he talks about how they had killed his sister and she had been, like, his favorite and blah, 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 childhood mm-hmm. memories. And these people that he loved that he had been connected to were murdered in horrible ways and he just keeps plodding right along, along. Yeah. yeah and i do think as the series goes on there comes a point where i think he's starting to drink he's getting hit with some depression yeah and so he's he's turning to this because it is starting to become a burden on him mm-hmm. and i don't i don't feel bad for him it's an observation. It's unfortunate for his family members that had nothing to do with this. Right. But him personally, like, eh. Yeah. It, I mean, he's got two ticks against him. He's a torturer and his affiliation so with the shadow. So This is the thing that just kicks me so hard about this is that his devotion does not feel as though it is directed at the Dark One. It feels as though it is something he wants for himself. So... It's not even, and I'm I'm not saying that that's bad. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of things that are incredibly selfish. This just seems like it may be a bit over the top yeah. in the selfish department. Like when it comes to the murder and death of people you love, and you keep mm-hmm. moving forward, what what is the ultimate mm-hmm. purpose there? I think that's that's mm-hmm. one of the questions that I keep coming down to is he is very obviously... What is he getting out of this? Exactly. What do you get out of gaining power if you don't have anything to be powerful over or with? Like, mm-hmm. power can be used for good and bad, obviously. But it seems as though, like, if he ever gains power, who will who will it be over? What will mm-hmm. be the benefit of it? Yeah. Agreed. So that, that was observation observation yeah there's questions maybe as we read further Mm -hmm. definitely get more he definitely he shows up like when when he shows up he's the one white cloak i actually kind of pay attention to like i i kind of sort of have to pay attention to others but his storyline is one that i actually really like and 
it, it starts here. This... Do you have a favorite white cloak? <laughs> Boars, obviously. No. Uh, what's his face? The guy who, is it Bayer or Bornhold? Child Bayer. Bornhold By- is the one that has a, Bornhold kind of comes back. That's. Bayer is the one that gets. Yep. I actually kind of appreciate Bornhold. We were talking about boars still. I think I think the last thing that I had was just his being told that he shouldn't mention the arrival mm-hmm. of the Shanchan. And I find it would ironic be the right word, considering what happens later mm-hmm. at the Fortress of the Light where they get attacked by the Shanchan. Or is it just completely calculated because now we have this guy who knows that the Shan Chen are arriving mm-hmm. and then at the end of the Great Hunt, they go to battle mm-hmm. and the Shan Chen are there, but they're like, ah, this war, my, my <laughs> father got killed. Me, it's me, this me. kid's fault. <laughs> like points at Rand. Like it was him. It was him. That guy. Yeah. Not, you know, this army. Like, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this legendary army i mean how can you they look like nothing else on this planet yep they are completely they're riding flying creatures for crying out loud like but no it's this kid's fault okay obviously 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 that's so funny Um, i don't have an answer for this but i don't know why the dark one is keeping it a secret which one of the boys is the dragon reborn Mm -hmm. maybe he thinks any of them could be helpful you know like pokemon just try and catch them all. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if you don't tell them which one is the most important, they will treat each one as though they are the most important, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe that's part of the calculation as well is by yeah. keeping that secret. I don't know. And I mean, perhaps that's that, a good point. That's a good point. Perhaps that indicates that to Balzaman, Shamael, Morden, they're all interconnected. Exactly. Yeah. They are all. They're all super They're important. all necessary. Yeah. For... Like, if you're going to... And I mean, really, the way that the series plays out, that's that feels true. Where Matt, Rand, and Perrin all are at specific points, and then the way that they mm-hmm. all feel pulled to come back together, I feel as though if they had not been able to do that, success would have been questionable. And I mean, even yeah. the route that they had to take, like, what what were the chances that Matt was going to take the band of the red hand through a mountain pass that mm-hmm. had hinders tap in it. Right. And then to right. use hinders tap in the last battle like that, it is so good. It is yeah. still legit. One of my favorite moments in the series. Completely. Maybe for our Halloween episode, we <gasps> should talk about bubbles of evil. Would you like that? Have I told you how brilliant you are today? <gasps> I was thinking about that in the shower today, having a shower thought. <laughs> yes, 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 we should. <gasps> Ooh, okay. that's such a good idea. The bubbles of okay. evil are some of my favorites. Hurrah! Huzzah! Okay. Okay, I'm going to move this along. Yes, 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 yes. On yes. Time. Um, so your question, do you want to do the, why is the Shamile covered in burns? Yeah, did Rand? I think I think this cook is him last book, <laughs> <laughs> barbecue style. Um, but I mean, he's appearing as a vision. Like he didn't think like I can look I however look I however. want in this vision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, later on, or maybe he thought the burns looked cool. Like, <laughs> tough guy. It's his street cred showing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like fear me. 
I can withstand pain. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually a really good question. I think that might just have to be the best answer for it because I can't. <laughs> Why? Why would you do I mean, anything could, else? I feel like he could look however he wants. Right? He's showing up like telepathically. Right? He's not actually there. Yeah. Is he? I don't know. I don't. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't. <laughs> and I mean, maybe this is how Ishamael has been able to touch the world that he has in so many different ways throughout the time since the mm-hmm. Age of Legends and the the age that we're in right now is mm-hmm. his ability to show up as a really creepy hologram thing. Anyways, this was very short, but I feel like the Dark One has a funny sense of humor because... All of the boys get nicknames, yep. and it's like the blacksmith, wah wah, mm-hmm. the swordsman, eh, <laughs> the trickster. Like, like Matt's gotta feel so cool about that. I feel like he would if he knew. He would be like, "Yeah, that's me." Yes, exactly. Like a little wink, maybe a tip of his hat, kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like the dark one is really bad at nicknames. Yeah, like the blacksmith, like. Okay. Nobody even is going to know he's a blacksmith mm-hmm. unless they're from Emmons Field. It's not like, or no, mate, is he just, is he like Matt where he's like, I'm just a blacksmith all the time. <laughs> like, I'm not a lord. I'm just a blacksmith. That, that Matt's not like going around saying like, I'm not a lord. I'm just a trickster. <laughs> like the, the Eeyore sad thick boy, mm-hmm. the mopey redhead and... <laughs> the badger bagger like (laughs) the badger bagger is my favorite (laughs) oh that's so good that's so very matte too Mm -hmm. i like that a lot and i like that that's how like it gets identified even for boars it's kind of how Mm -hmm. he classifies them away in his head as a way to remember them is by giving them those identities Mm -hmm. but they are kind of Except for the trickster. I like that one. Yeah, the trickster is good. Yeah. So you had yep, this the is, dream. This is the last thing I think that I mm-hmm. have. And it's it's the dream explosion, if you will. And what I like about this is he goes through all of these things. And through this dream, he notices so many things that we're going to actually see in this book in particular. Mm-hmm. Like... He talks about the great or the 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 horn, the horn of Valir. Mm-hmm. That's something mm-hmm. he sees. I'm pretty sure this image of a white girl. I feel like this is a queen, and it would make sense. Let's see here. A woman. It says a woman, a girl dressed in white, receded into blackness and vanished as soon as she appeared. That made me think of the novice yeah, dresses. Same. And I mean, it would make sense for Gwen to be represented in a novice dress considering she's about to become a novice. And she also mm-hmm. goes back and basically conquers Elida as a novice in novice white. So mm-hmm. I feel as though... Are there any other novices right now you that know what? I tried, are important? I tried thinking about that as well. And I really... I don't I don't really think we get a whole lot of other novice interaction. But I don't know why I'm I'm thinking it's it would be needed for him to know anything about her. I'm thinking it's because of his position with the white cloaks. And their like animosity towards Aes Sedai. 
I mean, Egwene plays a huge role in the White Tower not being a heap of rubble and broken women. And they are there instead for the the last battle, you know? Maybe Robert Jordan wanted to take things in a different direction, maybe, and having more of a plot line that had to do with the White Cloaks and Egwene, because knowing who she ends up with... Mm-hmm. I believe it is factual that at one point she was going to end up with Galad. Mm-hmm. So maybe this was a plot point that never came to mm-hmm. fruition. Mm-hmm. And that's totally possible. Like it might not even be anyone that we are aware of because this is still very early in the series. Well, like maybe it's about Egwene, but there was supposed to be some interconnection between her and the white cloaks because if she was supposed to end up with galad Mm, and he mm -hmm. becomes Mm -hmm. who he becomes Mm -hmm. like maybe that would have been foreshadowing to when they get to a point where there's i don't know maybe she could get kidnapped or maybe well i mean she's already i I just i just remembered this which seems maybe she gets kidnapped again i was gonna say she's already been a captive of the white cloaks and i it it almost feels like such an easy thing to forget that that happened because it happened so early in the books. And there's just so much focus on like Perrin and Matt and Rand that it's almost like this moment for a queen slips under the radar without us getting her point of view of it. So I think that that's something to remember about, about her connection with the white cloaks. That I just remember. Right, but that still doesn't have, I mean, that wouldn't be any necessary information for Boars, Mm -hmm. I feel like. Well, what if if this is like an image that he's, like, Balsamon has just created? It's the standard. (laughs) It's the (laughs) standard. Everyone gets it. Yeah, yeah. He just, like, has this on, like, speed dial or whatever you would call it for people. And the thing that he says at... After this happens, like, Bors is obviously shook by what he has experienced. This really does... I love how this section is written. It feels like it's rushing at you. And Mm -hmm. I enjoy moments like this that just do this really quick info dump. And it's like, what should we be expecting from this? That's all I had. Well, I just... The the last thing that I had to touch on that is just how Balsamon says that some commands... Like, they're too... How does he say it? I have it. Some commands are too important important to be be known, known even by he who carries them out. Exactly. So is there a form of compulsion in this? Is this a weave that's coming from Bilesmon? How is this being given to him? And what does it mean for his journey later on? And I mean, we don't necessarily I've have same, to... I've had these same questions about how is he speaking to Rand in these dreams. Yeah. I mean, it's because, because he can. <laughs> yes. And you know what? That's, o- that's okay. Exactly. Like, if there were a hard ending to any of this, it would not be mm. anywhere near as much fun as it is. Well, it's because there is no answer yep. for this unless you want to get like real wacky and pull from like stuff, yep. which I'm all for. Like, Me too. that's fun. So if someone has an idea and they're listening or watching, tell us. I like ideas. I'm, tell us what I'm you think. open and welcome to ideas. I think that wraps it up. 
Thanks for joining us. We will be back again next week with the next chapters of The Great Hunt. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.